On today's episode of Senior Quotes, we have reached the midway point of the NFL season. The Red Sox are the World Series champs, and we get to talk a little basketball and introduce a new segment and some breaking news for us here at Senior Quotes. Let's get into it. What's up, guys? I'm Aiden Broderick, and welcome to another episode of Senior Quotes Live. I believe the sixth edition now. We've been uh, on WZBC Sports. I am joined by my co-host, Jack Coleman. Jack, how are you doing tonight? How's it going, in? I'm doing fantastic. Ready to go. Ready to get into it. If you missed our pre-show right there, we are both going to be announcing the Providence-Boston College basketball game. Big news there. Uh, we got a call in from Jack Butterfield. He's very excited. He was a one-time, not one-time, but multiple guest mm-hmm. appearances on our show, and he is at Providence, so he's very excited for us to be commentating that game, and we are just as excited. So let's just get into it. I'm really pumped for this show. I don't know about you. Yeah, uh, Jack, can you just explain the format to any first-time listeners? So the format of Senior Quotes is that Aiden and I bring in three sports-related quotes each, and the other guy has to guess who said it and what it's about and is awarded half a point for each part of that right. And whoever has the most points at the end of the episode wins that episode. Also, new segment tonight. It's called Fake News. We'll explain it at the end. But brand new segment coming to Senior Quotes at the end of this episode. So I say we get into it and get get plowing along. All right, let's do it. So I'm going to start off with an NFL quote, one of two from me tonight. Um, <clears throat> so just tell me who said it and who it's about. It's obvious, him being a rookie and what he's accomplished so far, that doesn't happen every year or even two or three or four years where that type of talent comes around. Who said that? Who's it about? Okay, um, when I think when I think of big-time rookies, I mean, I obviously go to Saquon from the Giants. I believe that he's a big-time rookie, and I believe that he's been performing. Other rookies that have been notable, um, I'm trying to think of quarterbacks. I mean, like... I I can think of, like, quarterbacks in general, but I don't think... Can you read it again? Because I really don't think any of them are, like, warrant that kind of talk right now. I, yeah. I don't... Yeah. It's obvious, him being a rookie and what he's accomplished so far, that doesn't happen every year or even two or three or four years where that type of talent comes around. Yeah. I believe I'm just going to go with Saquon. Saquon Barkley. Uh, that's correct. Yep. But that's only a half point. Who said it? Um, I'm just going to go with Shermer. No, so the interesting part about this quote, because obviously we are homers, we're Giants fans, okay. but why would I want to bring up a positive Giants quote right, right now? The team is so bad. So no, this is coming right. from this a is competitor. From week. I think I actually saw this. Who do you think said it? Was it Adrian Peterson? Yes, it yeah. was. So yeah, I can't yeah, give I you the points. That. Nah, that's on me. I yeah. saw that quote. I definitely I mean, I can give you a half point. But uh, yeah, so Adrian Peterson complimenting his uh, counterpart on the Giants after... Uh, another disappointing result for the Giants. And, you know, kind of a statement game for the Redskins. I mean, they weren't playing a great team, obviously. No, I think the Redskins' D is actually that's, fairly good. That's what I was going to say. They're, they're showing that they are a contender for the NFC East. And, I mean, we're going to get into all the trade deadline moves in a bit uh, and figuring out, you know, who we think maybe the favorites are at the midseason point for every division. But, uh, excuse me, the Redskins, you know, while the Cowboys and Eagles both brought in a, a wide receiver these past week, right, uh, the Redskins have 
stuck with what they've had, and they, I believe, are still atop the division record-wise. So, yeah. yeah. You still have Alex Smith at quarterback, though, and I'm not thrilled about that. (laughs) So I really don't know how well that's going to go over. I'm actually a bigger fan, believe it or not. Well, we'll get into some trade stuff, but I was leaning towards the Cowboys when I was thinking about it. But now, after even more trade stuff today, I'm leaning towards the Eagles. I was going to say, I'm not, and we've talked about this last week, I'm not a huge fan of the Cooper trade. Uh, He's not a consistent receiver, but maybe Jason Garrett and Prescott hopefully can, well, not hopefully as from our side of it, but as a Cowboys fan, maybe they're looking for more consistency from this guy. I think the Eagles should be the favorite after their move today, acquiring Golden Tate, who is, in my opinion, the epitome of a uh, consistent wide receiver. Well, I completely agree with that, but at the same time, I think this is a much better situation for Amari Cooper as opposed to when he was on the Raiders before the trade. And now I think that it is fully on his hands. You know, like, there was, there's, you have a new coach in John Gruden, you have a struggling quarterback in Derek Carr, you, you have a lot of issues with that entire offense, and the defense losing Khalil Mack only is making the offense have to play more. You know, that we saw that with the Giants last year when the, the or in an adverse way where the Giants defense had to play more than the offense. Right. So one leads to the other, and that was the situation with the Raiders as well. And I believe that with this, Amari Cooper, the, the move is a fresh start. It, it's something that he can take and mold and shape to be his own defining, defined uh, lead receiver for the Cowboys team now that Des Bryant has gone and, and it's really all on him it's all on his shoulders right now and I think it for him it could be a new start so I think that hey maybe the Cowboys can bring it together between Zeke Dak and Amari Cooper I mean you look back a year ago and that's a potential like big three of football even this year I would still potentially call it a big three if Amari Cooper can turn in season around so basically, you, why I'm hesitant to give the big three name that I saw on like Bleacher Report and you just mentioned, um, the Cowboys had an insane offensive line these past few years, and this year is showing the decline you know that is starting within that unit. They still have Travis Frederick, they still have um, I'm blanking out on their names. The one guy from Notre Dame who's a, probably the best offensive guard in the league. They still have the talent. It's just uh, they're they've had the right tackle retire. I just wish I knew the names, but, you know, uh, this unit is starting to dwindle a bit, and it's shown with, I mean, Zeke hasn't had his best year for sure. Dak Prescott has not had enough time in the pocket to throw to his kind of weak targets, but I mean... Well, I mean, I've always said that I didn't think that Dak Prescott was as great a quarterback as everyone made him out to be. He's overrated. I really do think it was that line. I think Zeke is a great talent, but you really start to see it behind a, a terrible line. So, embrace debate is... Saquon a better running back than Zeke, given that the Giants have a worse line than the Cowboys right now. And uh-uh. Saquon is doing a much better job this season than Zeke. Real quick, I was referring to Zach Martin. Yeah. <laughs> but, okay, so... That was the name I was thinking of. Yeah. I, that's such a tough question, especially considering that Saquon's only played in seven or eight games at this point. Um, and I feel like you need a larger sample size to really compare it to you guys. But, yeah, Saquon is making incredible plays behind the one of the weakest offensive lines in the league. Uh, the Cowboys, Zeke's breakout year was behind the best offensive line in the league. Um, I still think Zeke is an amazing player, and he was drafted just as high as Saquon was. I mean, not number two, but he was in that top five, I yep. believe. 
So clearly he had the same talent or very comparable coming out of college. And I mean, the dude's a rookie of the year winner. He has run through a thousand yards multiple times at this point. And he's somebody you just don't want to face. Uh, I Dak won. That would be such a ripoff. No, he won. He won something though. Did he win offensive player? I hope. I not. Thought, I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> I sure really Dak Prescott won something. Like I remember it. I feel like I'm gonna look it up. Yeah, Why look it talking? up. I'm just because as as a Giants fan, I know how good Ezekiel Elliott is. Yeah, Elliot is, excuse me. Um, but on the flip side, <laughs> I'm really tripping on my words tonight. Sorry, guys. Um, Saquon has been incredible, and the only bright spot in my opinion. Not even including Odell because he has not had a great season at all this year um, for this Giants team. You know, Eli has struggled. Odell has struggled. The defense has been miserable. Yet Saquon Barkley has at least given one or two highlights every single game for Giants fans to feel like, okay, there is some future within this terrible team. So real quick, 2016, Dak Prescott won Rookie of the Year. So... And 2017, it was Kamara. It was Kamara. Yeah, okay. That is so frustrating yeah. to me. Uh, I just think that is so... I, maybe look at the stats and see, do you think Dak had a better year as a quarterback than Zeke did as a running back? I but that do is, not think so. Yeah. I really do not think so. That's disappointing looking back. I mean, nothing that will keep me up at night, but yeah. that is really kind of shocking in my mm. opinion. Um, but that was a scary Cowboys team in 2016. I just really don't think they're the same this year and because of that offensive line. I mean, also, Dak has uh, less targets than he did back then. I mean, Amari Cooper will... In my opinion, he is more talented than Des Bryant. But like we've been saying this whole time, he's so inconsistent. You know, I have had him in fantasy. I've been paying attention to his stats. He'll put up 20 points one week and two the next. So you just don't want a guy who can literally disappear. And Cooper's done that multiple games for the Raiders this year. Yeah. No, I fully agree. There's nothing more to say about that. I 100% agree on that. It's it's a weird NFC East this year. I really don't think any team has really solidified itself as the leader out of the fourth. The the weird thing though is like the Redskins have a pretty respectable record. I five I, and two. That's what I thought it was. I really yeah. think it has to do with the defense. I think the Redskins D is actually very good. And besides that, I guess Alex Smith has been okay. I, I feel like it's more so that the, the running game, Adrian Peterson has really stepped up a little bit here and there. I agree. But with that. I fully agree I fully think that it was the defense. I have a few peculiar stats about the NFC East before you get into your first quote. Uh, the Cowboys, they are undefeated at home and winless on the road. 3-0 at home, 0-4 on the road. So that's something to pay attention to. Uh, the Redskins have the third highest point differential in the division. So second worst with only positive 12. Um, that makes me think they've just been getting lucky. Yeah. Because for their five wins, they've had a difference of like two points per game, you know, to make an average there. That's not something you want to trust going down the road. And then... Similarly, the Cowboys have a losing record, yet they've had positive 17. So they've just been unlucky. Uh, I really do think it's going to be the Eagles division, though. Top in point differential. They've acquired Golden Tate, as we just referred to, and probably will again sometime during the show. Uh, And I think Carson Wentz, once he figures it out, and this team figures it out, they're still as scary as they were last year, in my opinion. I don't think they're as scary as last year. I just, I don't know. Something about this team is just not really... (coughs) Stuck, like stuck out to me. Like I really don't see anything special this year from the Eagles. It's that Super Bowl hangover phrase mm. that is used really often for you know teams that can't repeat. And it's been a while since a uh, NFL team has been able to pull off the repeat championship. Uh, so no, I don't know. I think the Eagles are going to get it back together. 
Uh, they're finally waking up, if you will. But we are halfway through the year already, and I don't think they've been hot enough to pull off like a 12-4 and year. They're 4-4 four and four right now. But I agree with you. I think this is going to be an NFC East that gives you like a 9-7 and seven or 10-6 and six team in the playoffs this year. But it's been a weird enough year in the NFL in general where that team could go all the way, you know? Yeah, I mean, who really knows? Or, you know, they can just tie their way to the Super Bowl because however many ties there's been this year, from the Browns alone, I mean. Well, the Browns have two or three, right? Yeah. Two, I think. I think it's two. But yeah. still, it's been ridiculous. And the amount of insane field goals that have decided games, it, I feel like this year's just been very, very strange. And I said that about last year, and I think this year's last year more felt, so. Last year felt so weird. Uh I can't even remember how many things just seem so wrong, you know, based on the initial predictions. And I feel like this year people felt like, okay, it could happen again. We have to be a little more open-minded. It's not going to be the same dynasties winning every single game. But who was expecting, well, I guess we kind of were, but the Rams to be undefeated still and the Chiefs to be as high up as they are. Yeah. Teams you might not have thought of two years ago. Though. And the fact you can't go into games fully relying on Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers yeah. anymore. I mean, for... There has been a couple that we talked about on the show, Aaron Rodgers, on that one drive where he absolutely won that game for them. But still, it, it's not a guarantee anymore. It, the decline of major dynasties is happening now, and there's a major shift coming in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so do you want to get into your first quote? Yeah, definitely. So we've already, um, I don't know, not necessarily talked about it, but it'll make sense. Here we go. How would you feel at your job if your boss, whoever, said they wanted you someplace else? And you came into work every day and have to think about it. How would you feel? Who said it? NFL quote. Um, While I was doing research for the trade deadline, I thought I saw this. Mm. But I'm not totally sure. If not, it was a very similar quote that I didn't take. But I'm going to say Demaryius Thomas. Yeah, it's Demaryius Thomas. Uh, I mean, I'll just... And what it's about, I'd just say he's going to the Texans. Yeah. Um, so this was before that. This was be, correct. This yeah. was before that. I mean, you get the full point because there wasn't really much to it. He himself said it. I actually found this quote before the trade happened. Right. So I'll talk about my initial thoughts. Initially, I thought that he or Golden Tate, we've already touched on Golden Tate, were going to wind up on the Pats. And for you Boston fans out there, I really thought that the Patriots were going to lock down one of these receivers to truly complement uh, Edelman and, and Gordon and really give them someone else. I think Golden Tate would have been a great compliment to that, that duo. And they really didn't do anything today. I was kind of surprised. Demaryius Thomas, though, uh, great talent. And I kind of like that he's moving on. I really think that the Broncos the past couple years have been rather stagnant. They've had a rough quarterback situation. I really think they haven't had their franchise quarterback for a while now. I Really, since Peyton Manning left after that Super Bowl. I agree with that, yeah. But now you got Demarius Thomas on the Texans, and he's going to compliment DeAndre <laughs> Hopkins. And we've talked about Deshaun Watson having a, a struggling year so far, so maybe this is what he needs. This An extra receiver that he can really turn to and look to to compliment DeAndre Hopkins and his running back base of uh, Lamar Miller right now. Yeah, I mean, so I am a huge – well. I like Watson a lot, you know, and we've been kind of critical of him uh, throughout the show this year because he is having a sophomore slump. But adding Demarius Thomas is awesome, in my opinion, as well. Uh, Losing Will Fuller is what drove this move, in my opinion. And I like Golden Tate a little bit better, so I'd almost rather have seen the Texans get Golden Tate and keep him outside of the NFC East. That's a little bit selfish as a Giants fan, though. But uh, I really think Thomas fits this Texans offense. 
I think he's a pretty similar receiver to Hopkins. He is 30, which is something to point out. Uh, but I think that's why they were able to get him for so cheap. I believe they also got a, se- a seventh round pick, excuse me, and they had to give up a fourth, which is honestly a pretty great deal for a guy who has shown that he can be a playmaker not only throughout the season, but in the playoffs as well. If you remember the Tim Tebow game, yeah. he had that crazy game-winning touchdown where they kind of credited Tebow for the whole drive, but Thomas took that thing 70 yards, I think. For sure, yeah. Uh, he is a dynamic player. And if he, I mean, he is 30, so he is aging a little bit. We haven't heard much from him this year. And the Broncos have Emmanuel Sanders and Cortland Sutton, who I think they're looking to build around instead. Yeah, I meant to bring up Cortland Sutton. As much as Demarius Thomas got hyped for, or during this trade, Cortland Sutton got equal amounts. Like, oh, everyone's yeah. been talking about how it's Cortland Sutton time. Almost more. Yeah. yeah. So, really exciting things to, to come from that Broncos offense still. It's not like it's just completely going stagnant. We'll get to see some rookie action, so I'm, I'm really liking this move a lot. Yeah, I wanted to point out, I said the Redskins hadn't made a move. They brought in uh, Haha Clinton Dix. No, yeah, they uh, did. I, I thought you brought that up, but no. No, uh, I had said they didn't pick up a receiver. Oh, okay. Not that they necessarily needed one. No, that um, defense is sneaky. Man. Yeah, I like Clinton Dix a lot in the safety, or in the secondary, excuse me, as a safety. He's a really, I don't know, I think he's had a poor season, which is why he was on the block for the Packers. Mm. Also, the Packers just don't seem to be the team they've been in the past, kind of yeah. like we were saying, you know, where the Patriots and Packers can't just rely on their Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Uh, but I think that's a good pickup for the Redskins and really addressing a need where they're just trying to solidify their uh, defense even more so. And I'm just reading through CBS Sports, giving some grades to every trade deadline deal, and they gave the Redskins an A for that, uh, the best grade I've seen for any trade so far. So pretty impressive there. Um, what would you give personally this Demarius Thomas trade? In terms of... Oh, uh, for both teams, actually. For both teams. Okay, I'm going to give it a... So what did the Texans give up again? Um, Fourth and seventh? No, I. they acquired... Oh, no, they... Oh, yeah, the Texans... Texans gave up. Gave up a fourth and acquired a seventh plus Thomas. Okay. Which is weird. I thought they swapped seventh picks. Uh, yep, you're right, actually. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, so basically it's really just... The fourth round. fourth for Demarius, yeah. I I don't get the seventh-round swap there, but yeah. I mean, Demarius Thomas is 30, so, I mean, he's getting up there in age. I'm still going to give it, I'm going to say, like, a B-minus. I think think a B-minus is a fair grade. I think it's really going to help out Deshaun Watson. If if, if you get Demarius Thomas out there and you have some running back help with Lamar Miller, you can compliment Hopkins. It's going to take pressure off of Hopkins. And now you have a quarterback that, if he lives up to the standards he had last year, potentially it's a big-time move to, to have this happen. So I'm going to say B-minus. I agree with the B or B-minus for the Texans. And, and then the Broncos? I agree with the CBS Sports take here. A-minus for the Broncos because Demaryius Thomas is going to have a $14 million cap hit oh, that's big. next year. So they avoid that, and they give Cortland Sutton this playtime that we've been talking yeah, about. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of Cortland Sutton, so that's why I'd give that an A as well. I think I'd say A-. minus. That's what they... Yeah, that's okay. what they said. That's what I agree Perfect. with. I think uh, we're all in unison there. Um, otherwise, deals to address. Uh, the Giants did not trade away Janoris Jenkins, um, which was expect or they were expected to deal him to the Chiefs. Yet nothing came of that rumor. Um, what do you think? I don't know. They traded away Damon Harrison. They were receiving offers for Landon Collins, but did not want to move him, or at least set a hefty price tag. Uh, what do you think about? what the Giants have done so far in their potential rebuild. Yeah, I I mean, I really don't know. I 
it's really just getting rid of such great defensive players. Like I was a huge Snacks fan, and I don't, I, I really don't know. I don't know what the move is going forward. All these moves to me right now, just I can't see a plan, which is kind of frightening, because even when it, to bring it back to to my team, the Knicks, like there's a plan. Like there's a plan for teams, for your teams, and when you can see it happening, you can live with the punches and roll with them. But I don't know. I really don't see an end to the struggles of his team right now. Um, yeah, I I think what I see is a team that really just wants to blow it up, and they just weren't able to continue that process today, which can happen. Maybe there just weren't suitors for those players that were on the block, such as Vernon and Jenkins. Um, Landon Collins is not someone I want to see traded away, even if the Giants are looking to rebuild. And maybe they will have to trade away Landon Collins and Odell. Uh, definitely not Saquon, because he's still on his rookie deal, deal Excuse me, and will be for four more years. Um, it's just crazy. There's so much going on here. And if I had to step into the GM's shoes, I, I can't really think what I'd do either, other than that I would rebuild. And I agree with hitting the reset yeah, button. No, you definitely have to. Yeah. But at the same time, like, who knows what you're going to get with these picks. Like, we saw with, um, what's his name, who we just got rid of? We finally dropped uh, you know Eric Flowers. Eric Eli Flowers. Apple? Yeah, Eli. You well, never know. Yeah. Like you never know what you're gonna get from a pick. So to give up such major talent in hopes of getting a decent pick out of it, it's just so up in the air. You really don't know without any direction. Something I've really appreciated from Dave Gettleman because I I don't like that we went for a win now strategy this offseason. It clearly backfired. But he showed that he can draft well, which was Jerry Reese's major weakness. Um, so acquiring mid round picks. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I actually think could be really good if he can keep hitting his mark. But it's such a crapshoot, the NFL yeah. draft. There's no draft no, like really it. Is. The NBA, you know what you're getting. Uh, the MLB, you give time to develop. The NFL, you're throwing guys from programs all over the country and in different kinds of stature and competitiveness. And, I mean, you really don't know what you're going to get other than from those first-rounders. And even those guys can bust. So... I'm not sure. I just like giving Gettleman more ammo, if you will, to try and see what he can hit. Um, I don't know. Uh, I just want to see us rebuild, and I'm happy we're finally doing it. So, real quick, just some breaking news. Uh, in terms of college football, our own Boston College Eagles are ranked number 22 in the college football playoff rankings. Huh. So, it's the first time BC has been ranked in the top 25 rankings for college football in a long time. Very happy to see it. Well, probably ever for the f- college football. Oh, playoff rankings. Playoff rankings, yeah. Playoff so rankings actually, ever. Ever. Yeah. Uh, cause actually, they, yeah, right here. First time ever. Yep. So there we go. Number 22. We're ranked 24 in the AP poll, which is awesome to see us back in there after the win against Miami on Red Bandana night. That was awesome. We were both there. Uh, you stormed the field. I chose not to because we were playing an unranked team. Rookie mistake. No, I, I, I didn't want to. I, my legs were hurt. It was hurt. awesome. It was so cool. Oh, it was a sick moment, but uh, I'm saving it for Clemson. Yeah, I respect that. No, I definitely think we should have saved it for Cle- for Clemson, but it was the Red Bandana game. I mean, you can do it twice. Everyone was into it. Yeah, I'm definitely going to do it twice. What I did hear from some sophomores is that they rushed it last year, and they yeah. beat Florida State, who was like 2-5. and five. Yeah. It's it was just because it is Red Bandana yeah, game. It's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, but no, it was such an exciting atmosphere, uh, and I'm really excited because if we beat Virginia Tech... There's, uh, people are wondering, I like rumors maybe, that college football game day 
could come college game day. Excuse me. Well, it could would be come, a not potentially nine and zero Clemson yeah, against a seven and two BC football team. Who would be so, probably top twenty? Exactly. So I think it's on. All right. So hot take here, not really hot take, but I'm actually in terms of BC football, I'm more afraid of the Virginia Tech away game than the Clemson home game. Uh, it's kind of a hot take because Clemson has looked so unstoppable in my opinion. Yeah. They had like one slip up where their third string quarterback was in for a little bit and they took him back out and ended up winning it handily anyway. Uh, but both our losses have been on the road to teams we weren't really expecting. I guess NC State, they were ranked and we kind of expected now, NC State it. was good and it was a very close game. Purdue so. was 0-3 at the time and they had three close losses and now they've gone on to upset Ohio State. So it's another loss that doesn't look as bad as it did back yeah. then. But both were on the road, so I, I agree with you that I'm scared of the Virginia Tech game, but I think it's also because of how much is on the line if we win it. Mm. If we're seven, or yeah, we'll be seven and two if we win. Yeah, and we would definitely. That's basically locking you in for a good bowl game. Seven wins is a lot uh, this early on the season, and that gives you so much not pressure but meaning to that Clemson game. Yeah, to to knock off Clemson would be insane. Definitely, uh, especially gunning for the ACC championship if we can. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So why don't you get into your next quote? <coughs> okay. I think I've only done one, right? Yeah, we've done one each. We're kind of taking our time here, uh, which is not not the biggest deal in the world. This is a short quote, uh, and we've kind of touched on it already, uh, about a recent trade. This is in the NFL. Okay. This person said, I'm not happy about that. Uh, who said it and who's it about? Your hint is this is a former teammate talking about the player who got traded. So former teammate in, ter- in terms of like, he was a teammate until today. Until today. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to say if we already talked about it, I'm going to say Von Miller on Demarius Thomas. You get a half point again, and you were very close. It's actually Emmanuel Sanders about Demarius Thomas. For some reason, I thought I saw Von Von Miller, Miller also okay. tweeted about it. So he said it, something about it was like crying a, in his car. Or something. Yeah, it was like an emoji or something. Yeah. Uh, no, this was just Emmanuel Sanders saying, I'm not happy about that. I was planning on giving you some hints for this one anyway. Okay. Uh, and I'll give you that half point for sure. But And we don't really have to go too much deeper into this yeah. one. I just think it's interesting. I Let me check real quick how the Broncos are doing this year. We were talking about how they haven't found their franchise quarterback. I mean, Case Keenum is now inked to a four-year deal. It's not looking like it was the best decision. Uh, shot. It was a lucky run by the Vikings team. And, uh, I'm in pretty, a great system. In a know. great system, and I believe that was much more so the rest of the Vikings as we can look at this year with Kirk Cousins taking the helm. Not that Kirk Cousins is a bad quarterback, but if anything, he's helping that team out even more. Yeah, I was going to say the upgraded Cousins has made Thielen look like the elite receiver he's showing he can be. Stephon Diggs is still there. I mean, that team is awesome. But yeah, the Broncos are three and five. And have yet to see Dalvin Cook really play. So. Yeah, true. Broncos are three and five, but they have had a decent offense, uh, highlighted by Emmanuel Sanders, not Demarius Thomas. But I think uh, the threat of Thomas was complimenting Sanders, and now with Cortland Sutton being the second receiver, the focus is going to be on Sanders, right? Not not the rookie. But now Cortland Sutton should be set up to break out, right? Well, exactly. I think it's going to be the same situation as the Atlanta Falcons where we have Julio and everyone puts the pressure on Julio and then you get to see Calvin Ridley go off. And Calvin Ridley really had a nice stretch there of really outperforming Julio Jones. So I think the same thing can happen with the Broncos easily. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's all we need to cover on that one since we talked about it already. Oh, yeah. So how about we hand it back to you for your second? All right. So the second NFL quote here 
The message today is that we're not going to put up with internal discord. Who said it? What's the situation? Um. Okay. I. That's tough. I, I'm gonna go with my gut. Hmm. I'm gonna say it's Mike McCarthy about Ty Montgomery. No, is actually not. And it's, I'll talk about that in a second because it sounds like it could fit. But what, who was it? It's actually the Browns owner, Jimmy Haslam, about, on Hugh wow. Jackson and Todd Haley. Interesting. Yeah. So a lot of weird huh. stuff going on there. The Browns coaching was really weird to me. So watching, so the Browns were on Hard Knocks over the summer. That's the show every summer that takes you through training camp with NFL players. And I just, I just could not really like Hugh Jackson. Like, you usually get to develop a really strong liking for the coaches, and he's just, like, kind of a weird guy. He, like, whenever he talked to Baker, it was just, like, I don't know. I really just don't think he's, like, a great football guru. It just kind of feels sometimes that he, like, wound up there. And I even said last last season of Senior Quotes, when he inked that deal, I was like, what are, what are the Browns doing? This man had a defeated season, not winning any games. <laughs> Whatever the record was the year before was absolutely garbage, too. So I don't know why they thought maybe he can turn around. Then you bring in Todd Haley, who's always had trouble. Don't like Todd Haley He's at all. He's always had trouble. He, he was a jerk on the show. He's always had trouble with organizations. And, you know, he was completely going against Hugh Jackson. And Hugh Jackson is the head coach. As a head coach, A, you need to call that out and really address it. And Hugh Jackson was a bit of a pushover. And you really need to, like, put your foot down and say that this is your team, you get to say what happens. Todd Haley did not care. He did whatever he wanted with the offense. There were constant arguments brewing within the organization about it. Um, just the other week, I believe last week, there was there was something uh, in with the offense that Hugh Jackson said that he wanted to get more involved, and that allowed for even more meetings, apparently, with within the Browns organization. Just a rough situation, so I actually like the move. To, to get rid of them both. So oh, so both of them yeah. were fired, but it failed to mention that. <coughs> I really like the move by Haslam by doing this. Um, it just gets – it cuts out the cancer within the team. We talk a lot about that on here, the uh, cancerous players and, and coaches. Really cuts them out. And I think it goes to show you just how much the organization really truly believes in Baker Mayfield. Mm. Because I think this was hindering Baker – and after this season, I do think that Baker Mayfield is that franchise quarterback. I think he will be. And I'm very hopeful going forward that he can lead that team in a, in a giant rebuild. But the, the coaching was without a doubt holding him back and limiting him. You can't have your head coach who is you know in the ear of the, of the quarterback constantly disagreeing with the offensive coordinator who is helping this, this quarter, young quarterback develop into, into the professional on offense that he should be. Dude, that really is a cancerous situation, like you said, for a rookie quarterback to be in and to enter into. Um, I did not like Hugh Jackson at all either. I thought it was a weird hire to begin with. And when he went 0-16, you're thinking, well, he went 1-31 in, in two years. Uh, his winning percentage is still like point, no, it's like 9%. You know, like that is absurd. Yet they stuck with them. They, they, they believed in him, and now coming to the midpoint of the season, uh, the Browns are better than they were two years ago and last year, but it's not where they want to be. And I believe they should be better. Their record should be higher than uh, what it actually is. So Hugh Jackson got the boot, and as he should have. Same with Todd Haley. Their interim head coach is Greg Williams, who's the defensive coordinator from the 
whole uh, bounty gate in New Orleans. So this was just a weird coaching staff. Um, strange, but uh, no, wh- that, it was it was my problem with it last year. I think when you bring in a new quarterback, you really need to have a new coach with him. I because agree. obviously, when you're bringing in a brand new franchise quarterback, you're not doing well. So I think you should just clear house and bring in the new coach to really like form this man's career and and develop with each other along the way. I th- I think that's a very important thing to do. I was one of the reasons that when Shermer was hired, I really thought that we would potentially be going with a new quarterback. I was about to say, but at the same time, Shermer has really helped with Saquon. Regardless, right, I think good. when you bring in a new franchise player, it needs to be alongside a new coach. Because I was going to ask you, do you feel like the Giants should do? You know what the Browns did not after Hugh Jackson went one and fifteen the first year, and if the Giants are looking for a new franchise quarterback this year, excuse me, do you move away from Pat Shermer? I really don't think so. I really like the way that Pat Shermer ha- handles the team. The only thing I wasn't crazy about was handling the whole Odell being upset situation. I think Odell actually came out on top in that one. But regardless, I really do think that Pat Shermer's best interests are with the team and. I think he's done a great job at developing Saquon. No matter how much talent the man has, I, I still think that coaching has to do with it. And I don't know. I really think that it was more so that he inherited the bad team and that given a better situation, it might work a lot, lot better for Pat Shermer. Well, we'll have to see because Shermer, I believe, was also a former Browns head coach. Wherever he was a head coach, he struggled. Mm-hmm. But he's been great as an offensive coordinator, most recently with the Minnesota Vikings. So, uh, I mean, I it's only been eight games, like we keep saying about a lot of stuff here in the NFL. So it might be a little uh, unfair to criticize him right now for just the Giants. But as a head coach as a whole, it doesn't look great for Pat Shermer. And, I mean, the 1-7 record doesn't help my opinion on him that much. I like the guy a lot. Uh, he seems like he's got the right mindset, and I agree with you that his only mishap so far you know looking past the record is the whole Odell situation which seems to have blown over but you never really know Odell can always come back into the spotlight he's never really out of the spotlight but uh I don't know if if we get a new quarterback I guess you're right because he basically inherited Eli Manning you know by hiring or by taking this job I think you at least give him one season with a new quarterback right and maybe help let him help choose that quarterback yeah you know for his scheme yeah I agree with that uh, Even if it's a traded quarterback. So, hot take, what if Jameis Winston was to come to the Giants? That would be something. Uh, and I'm not sure I'd feel about it. Because this falls into my belief of not going for a quarterback through the draft next year. And I believe in trading for one in the meantime. So, I'm leaning towards either Jameis Winston or Tyrod Taylor to get traded over. So, you heard it here first in case it happens. But that's going to be my call. Um, My hot take. Dude, if we got James Winston, uh, I would be. <laughs> I would not be happy. Oh no, it's not going to be good. It, yeah. It's not supposed to be a long-term like a, fix. A short-term spot filler, I guess. Maybe. I mean, obviously the trade deadline's passed, so it would help be an off-season thing. Yeah, that's what I meant during the off-season. So, yeah, yeah, but um, I don't know. That would be a weird one. I think Teddy Bridgewater is a possibility, but mm. he's also. I don't think he's seen the field yet. I think he's with the Saints right now. I actually would really like Teddy Bridgewater. I like him a lot. Uh, I just don't think he would lead us to the playoffs either. He would be... I'd rather see him than Winston. Um, The issue here is the Giants' O-line. But also, you need somebody to be waiting to take over for Eli when he does retire. 
Uh, and like we were saying earlier, it, it's such a tough situation to judge as the GM. Do you go address the O-line or the quarterback or the defense with your first-round pick next year? And then who are you cutting, who are you trading, and who are you holding on to? A lot of questions that Dave Gettleman's going to have to answer in this next year. And us Giants fans are going to have to be miserable and just wait for that to happen. Um, before we get to the next quote, I think I was talking to Jack Brocker about this. Hmm. Um, the NFL is the most miserable sport to be rebuilding in. Oh, yeah. Or even to just be losing. Not necessarily rebuilding. But if you take a loss, you have to stay with that loss for the whole week. While in the MLB and the NBA, there's games every day or every two days where you can bounce back with a win and you know change your mindset just like that. And also, since there's only 16 games in a season, four, well, I don't know, every single loss is meaningful. So if you're getting down to four in like the first six games or whatever, you can think the season's already over. You know, So that's interesting to think about. He was kind of saying that, maybe commenting on the Bills last night, they're, they're also out of the race, obviously. But, or maybe since he's a Vikings fan, talking about the losses they have already to the Packers. Um, I don't know. It was a good point, though. Something to think about. Didn't they? They tied the Packers, didn't they? Wasn't that another of the ties? The or did they lose the Vikings? I, I'm not. There have been like four or been five. So at this many. Point, it's so, so it's hard to keep possible. Trying. Yeah, I'm not sure. That's something that we don't even need to check. Honestly, it's kind of relevant. Uh, how about I get to my final quote? Sure thing. So this is MLB. Yes, it is. A little baseball action. Yep. So. Just tell me who said it. Uh, the situation should be kind of obvious yeah. from it. Yep. I don't. He mentions this team in here. I think I'm going to leave it out at first. Yeah. Um, I haven't made the decision yet. We have three days to talk between us and the team and see what happens. Then we'll go from there. Hmm. Uh, I guess the hint I'll give, since it's kind of a tough one, and I've got the MLB knowledge, you have the NBA. Um, is this is a player who played in the World Series. Okay. I was leaning towards Machado in this, so that's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say it's about Manny Machado. So, it is a Dodger. Okay. But it's actually about Clayton Kershaw. Okay. And so, basically, let me explain the situation here. So, Machado is also an impending free agent. Yeah. A pending free agent. Um, but with Kershaw, he has two more years worth $65 million mm. in total. Um, left on his contract that he can opt, in, opt into. He has a player option. So just like Kevin Durant with the Warriors, Kershaw could test the market or he could opt into a giant contract. Now, unlike Kevin Durant, who's proved that he is a top player in the league, Kershaw had a very rough postseason and just a rough season as a whole compared to what we are used to from him. Mm. And uh, while Machado's market should be big, considering he is one of the best players at his position... Kershaw is aging, and he is showing, finally, that this all-time great, you know, I agree, I, or I personally believe, I don't think it's a hot take, that Kershaw is one of the best pitchers of all time. The dude is so dominant. But this year, he's showing that he's coming back down to the ground, you know, uh, back to reality almost. I personally think that this guy should opt in and get $30 million yeah. a year for the next two years, because I don't think a team's going to give him that. Yeah, now, no, I, I fully agree. Right? It's, it's a very uh, weak pitcher's market this year. I think Nathan Yavaldi, who is a hero for the Red Sox this year, especially in the postseason, he's going to get a payday that I don't think he entirely deserves. But that's what happens when you're a uh, postseason hero and then hit the market right after. Uh, as for Kershaw, I think what he should do is stay with the uh, hometown team 
see if he can bounce back and then make some money later on. Uh, what do you think about Machado, though? Do you think his dirty antics this year have hurt his market value? I really don't think so. Like you said, he's one of the best players for his position, and I really think that regardless of what you do, look at Odell. Look how much his contract was. It doesn't matter how dirty you are. You're still going to get paid if you got the talent. So I think with the talent, Machado's going to be a big price uh, market player this offseason, and I honestly do think that he's going to end up on the Yankees. Um, so do I, and I'm not sure where I stand on that. I think he's a good fit as a player, but I've just been so upset with him this past month. It's just the, the story, like, it's the storyline that you know is coming. Like, Machado loses to the Red Sox in the in the World Series, goes to the Yankees, Yankees play the Red Sox, the rivalry, like, it, it's all coming. Like, it's one of those things in sports that, like, you know is is undoubtedly coming. Regardless, besides that, though, the way-too-early rankings for next season came out post-World Series. So I believe it was the Astros at one, the – I want to say the Yankees at two. I think they were two, and then three was the Dodgers. I think really? four was the Red Sox. Really? Yeah. I saw – okay, maybe I saw betting odds where the Red Sox and Astros were tied for first and the Yankees were third. Um Either way, I think those are the three teams that are going to be at the top, and the Dodgers will hover again. They were definitely – I don't think they were the best team in the NL, and I think they just lucked out against the well, Brewers. Another big name that we need to bring up if we're talking Machado is also Bryce Harper in this offseason. That, so that, those are basically going to be the two mm-hmm. big names that we're going to be hearing Huge of names. all summer. Uh, or winter, but yeah, winter, I'm super excited favorite. about it. No, no worries. Um, Machado, I think, is realistic for the Yankees to acquire, even though I'm not totally on board yet. Harper, I don't think makes sense. And Harper's someone I've wanted to go to the Yankees for years now. The dude is going to want maybe $400 million, like realistically. And the, the Yankees already tied down with Stanton, who has shown his weaknesses now that he's in the Bronx. And we can't commit $40 million more every year to an outfielder when our outfield is already stacked with Judge Stanton and Aaron Hicks, who was mm. awesome this year. Um, so, I don't know. Harper would just bring in even more ticket sales for a team that always leads the league yeah. in that. Uh, I don't know. Machado, it's the same thing you got to be wary of, is giving so much money to a guy who looks good now, but you're tying him down for 10 years. Yeah, It's the issue that always comes up in baseball, because uh, basketball, you don't see a contract longer than four or five. Football is kind of the same, where you see like five or six-year extensions yeah. maybe, but nothing more than that. Uh, baseball, 10 or more. You know, I think A-Rod had like a 12-year deal, and that's why he was such a bum at the end of his year. Uh, I don't know. What do, you, do you want Machado? I don't I don't know if I do. I think... Because Andujar is going to might win the Rookie of the Year yeah, as a third baseman. I really do think... I don't, I don't know how I necessarily feel on wanting Machado right now, but I do think that we're going to get him. Like, that's just my thought, is that the Yankees are going to end up with Machado. So I'll take it as you will with that, but that's my thought. Now, Red Sox fans would be happy for me to point out that he was the last out of the World Series on a strikeout, and everyone went crazy where I was Saturday night again uh, watching that. Um, it's just like that felt like the ending that had to happen, you know, the just ending to the World Series. Even as a Yankee fan, I felt like Machado had to strike out to Chris Sale, who had never won a World Series yet, I don't believe. Now he's here with the Red Sox, and he gets his win. Um, obviously I'm disappointed as you are, but it felt like it was going to happen. The Red Sox felt like they were inevitably the champs, especially after they took down the Yankees handily and the Astros even easier. Mm. 
people were saying, Red Sox fans were saying, the Yankees were the hardest team that they were going to have to face this postseason. I also didn't necessarily think... I mean, like, there was some stuff here and there against the Yankees that was rather annoying, but at the same time, I, I found it throughout the season that this Red Sox team wasn't necessarily easy to hate. I, I really didn't think anyone no, on this team, I agree compared to Red Sox teams in the past, like, guys like Betts and J.D. Martinez, like, during the season, they're, they're fairly likable guys. Like, I think that they're, you know. Here, here's how I feel. As a Yankee fan, I like Mookie Betts. I, I kind of like Ben Intendi. I respect, but I do not like J.D. Martinez. That's fair. Um, I respect Eduardo Nunez, I guess, for being a former Yankee. I respect Steve Pierce. He was a beast this postseason. I still hate him because he's a Yankee killer now. Uh, the guys I hate, though, I hate Chris Sale. Yeah, Chris Sale. I hate David Price. David Price is awful. Um, and I hate Craig Kimbrell. Uh, there's definitely someone else I'm missing. It, I just like there that, are guys. Yeah, but I agree with but you too. It, compared to uh, like past Red Sox teams, where like, it felt like the whole team was hated. Yeah, it it felt like this one wasn't. It goes that way for the Yankees too, because A Rod was always a villain for the Yankees. Uh, it was easy to hate. I don't know. I guess you could try to hate Derek Jeter. Like you know, it was possible. The Yankees' faces now are these young, super nice guys. You can hate Giancarlo Stanton. I, I can see that. Aaron Judge, though, I don't get how anyone can do well, that. Well, I mean, Aaron Judge was blasting New York, New York right outside. That's what built this whole it's, postseason it's tension okay. even like, further. Yeah. Like, that rivalry is bound to happen, and it, it, we're going to hate players on both sides. I just think that in general. Yeah, and I think this is the best the rivalry has been since 2004. And I don't think that's a hot take. I think that's just true, that in 15 years, this is the best uh, this rivalry has gotten to. And I think it's just going to rise even higher, right? You yeah. know. Especially uh, if Machado lands on that team. Totally. So, real quick, we actually did another poll today. Oh, right. So, basically I said, what is the bigger disappointment as a sports fan? Because we went through this throughout the World Series, and especially after the Red Sox won. So, was it the rival team, so like the Red Sox for us Yankees fans, winning a championship, or your team losing in the championship? And we had eight votes in this poll. 62% said your team losing in the championship. While 38% said the rival team winning. So what's your take on it? Um, I did vote, and I said that, well, i got to double check. What, what was the second option like on the list? Your team losing. Right? That's what I picked. So let's say that the Red Sox weren't in it, and it was the Yankees against the Dodgers, and the Dodgers ended up beating the Yankees. You can be proud of making it that far, mm. but that's just heartbreaking. You know, seeing a rival win, we're in the position where... This is the best rivalry in sports and the most tense rivalry in sports, uh, Yankees-Red Sox. So we feel that more than I think anyone else could. I guess you can think of a White Sox fan seeing the Cubs win maybe. That's comparable, I guess. But I just think when your team gets that far and is stopped by uh, at the furthest place they can be, you know, hmm. um, the closest they can get to winning it all, and they're stopped. We kind of felt that last year almost in the seventh game of the ALCS. And we thought we got so close, and Justin Verlander shut us down. Um, that was my personal vote. I just think they're both tough to deal with in the moment. I think I think it also varies, because yeah. for me as let's say so like for me as a Yankees fan, if we were to lose in the World Series, I feel like there's a lot of hope and potential in the future as well, because it easily could have happened where the Yankees could have been in the World Series. Like things could have went the right way, and the Yankees end up playing. The Dodgers. At the same time, with baseball though, the window could be closing. You know, exactly. you can never get that. So, so it, it definitely varies. But like, let's say as a Knicks fan, the, the Knicks somehow made it 
to the, the championship, yeah. and it's been however many years since right. back in the how like 70s, 60s, yeah. with with Walt Frazier. So it's like been a while. it's been a long time, and and there was that Patrick Ewing loss in the championship against the oh, Bulls. Right, right, right. So like it's a long time coming, and to lose it would be absolutely heartbreaking. So I definitely think it varies, but if I have to give my vote, I think I'm gonna actually go with rival team winning because watching the people you hate the most in the sports world getting to celebrate and <coughs> absolutely hate on your team even more and yeah. have a just reason, a justified reason to do so, and more history to bring up in future games, it's brutal. All right, this has been a year to forget as a New York sports fan because you've seen you've seen the Warriors win the NBA championship, which is like the league's hated team. But then the Eagles win their first ever uh, NFL championship, the Super Bowl, and they finally can talk you know, about being champions. And then the Red Sox do it now. And, uh, all right, why are Red Sox fans so addicted to uh, going after the Yankees? I mean, obviously it is the rivalry, but you're seeing Red Sox fans and fans of other teams now, like the Mets are finally taking shots at the Yankees. It's not like we lost in the World Series. I mean, we, we got to the playoffs. We had a decent series. We had a very respectable 100-win year. Yet you see guys from Barstool, like KFC, who's a big Mets fan, saying that the dynasty is ruined and falling. Like, that's just a crybaby Mets fan who hasn't seen a victory in and I don't even forever. And I don't even think that's true. But, I mean, it's not. Personally, it's not. personally, I'm not going to say anything because I will remember how we retreated, and oh. it's it's coming back tenfold. So I will be blasting Sweet Caroline when the Yankees <laughs> win. I, yeah, I, I think it's just funny. I mean... The rivalry is all about pettiness and seeing uh, the Red Sox play New York, New York in the dugout. That That's almost, like, funny to me. Like It's a good response to Judge taunting them in Boston. Uh, I don't really disagree with that one, as frustrating as it would as it is to see as a Yankee fan. Uh, I don't know, though. Just seeing all the uh, F the Yankees chants in Dodger Stadium, uh, obviously in Fenway, like, that's not the team you're playing right now, you know? It, why are you thinking about that team that's won three times as many championships as you have? Uh, maybe that's the reason. Weird flex, but okay. <laughs> it's um, the younger so brother relationship. That's how I feel. I'm I'm gonna get into the last quote. Just a little NBA action. Yeah. We'll keep it short. Not much to really discuss, but so blank looked at the box score and said, "Go get it," and that just shows you the unselfishness that is within him. Um, Pretty easy one. No, I I'm not totally sure actually. I think it's Steve Kerr about Clay. But I don't think it's right because uh, so unselfishness. Half point. So it's Steph. It's Clay Thompson oh, really? talking about Steph telling oh. him. Okay. To go. So quote section. So it's about there. it's about the fifty two points. Right? Yeah. So the okay. fifty two points, the fourteen three that broke Steph Curry's record. That was the key there. Because right. Okay. Steph okay. had the record before with thirteen. Uh, he was eighteen for twenty nine from the field. Rough start for the season. The the Splash Brother. It was basically like one Splash Brother and one. Splash cousin, like twice removed for the start of the season. And now we're back. Both Splash brothers going off. Kevin Durant went off against my Knicks. The, the team is clicking, and DeMarcus Cousins has not even played a game yet. And they have been fantastic. So the Warriors are really, really coming for it this year. And when DeMarcus Cousins is back out there, they are going to be very frightening. It, basically, every night there's something that can happen with this Warriors team, and you just don't know who's going to let it fly. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really have too much more to add there. Uh, they're just a fun team to watch. Uh, 
not a fun team to root for, but I, I really like Steve Kerr, and the re- I think he had a similar quote, which is why I went to that. Um, but yeah, I think he just said he likes seeing the unselfishness of his team and how they work and how every day it could be someone else who's scoring 50 points. They all have that capability, but they're not holding each other back. Uh, maybe a uh, subtle shot at some stat patterns like Russell Westbrook. Mm. I don't. I, I mean, maybe that's taking it a little bit too far. I don't think Kerr would do that. Never know. But yeah, true. Some players care about their stats more than winning. I don't think the Warriors do. They're a talented team who can win no matter who's the leading scorer. Yeah. Yeah. So real quick, brand new segment. We're gonna throw it in at the end here. Yeah, I'm not prepared for this one. I just want to hear your little. So I'll example. give a, We'll give an example. It's going to be coming up in the future. Called fake news. So basically, what it's going to be is I will, or, or Aiden will we'll gather some more. We'll be yeah. reading a sports quote, and the other person has to guess whether it's real or fake. Let's do it. So I want to come out funny with this example one. So here we go. Yeah, I've got big balls. They call me Big Balls Dixon. Real or fake? Oh. Real or oh. fake news? Um, no, I, I am pretty sure this is real. And it's about uh, Michael Dixon, the punter of the Seahawks running it out of his own end zone on, like, a fake that, like, was a broken play and getting the first down for the Seahawks. Yeah, so really it funny. It is real? It is it real. It is real, okay. It is real. Uh, in the future, we'll be having some more, probably, you know, a couple each, just to throw in at the end, no- another little segment. I'm excited. Yeah, so Senior Quotes expanding. We're going to be working on getting some more guests on or some guests here in the first place. We've been rather busy lately, a lot of exams and everything. All that's passing. So now that's going to be my main goal is getting some some guests on to come and talk. Yeah, and then hopefully we get the phone lines fixed. Again, that's not really our responsibility, but hopefully it does happen. And um, just keep looking forward to more senior quotes on the way. I did take the win in that one. I don't know what our official records are. We can maybe count that up later on tonight. Um, But, yeah, I'm really excited for Boston College versus Virginia Tech this weekend and some more sports going on. I'm really excited for the MLB offseason. We we talked about it a little bit, but that'll come up as we get into the swing of things. Hot stove gets cooking. The hot stove, there you go. Uh, any parting remarks from That's you? That's about it. I really want to end on hot stove gets cooking. So All right. hot stove gets cooking. And I'll see you next time. That's it. All right. <laughs> see you guys next week.